My name's Aaron. I am the youth pastor here. Um, I love to get to work with teens. I love um, just being able to share my heart with the next generation and to you and to everyone, every generation, um, for about Jesus and about God and what God has been teaching me. Uh, over the last few weeks, I've been reading Philippians along with you guys, and I've also been kind of challenged by what I've been reading in my own life. And so I think that uh, this is a great way to kind of talk a little bit about this. I've been going to church all my life. I was raised, my parents always brought me to church. Probably um, in third grade is when I got baptized. Probably junior, senior year is when I realized like, hey, Aaron, you need to kind of take this whole following Christ thing seriously. And since then, I've kind of been on this journey. But there's still parts that are challenging for me. Even as like a full-time pastor, there's parts that are challenging for me about following Jesus. And one of those big challenges is me telling my friends about God. Right? Like, I have friends that uh, don't know Jesus and don't know the love of God. But for some reason, when I'm like, okay, I'm going to go and tell them. I'm going to talk about it. Like, I get all pumped myself up about it. And then I get there and I kind of just like freeze and like, ah, all right, see you later. Right? And it's like, it doesn't go well. And it's easy for me to like talk to teenagers and it's easy for me to talk to certain groups or in a big group and stuff. But when I have to go and talk with my, my one friend, it gets challenging. And I think there's probably a lot of us in this room that have friends and family members who we want to know God. We want them to know the love that God has for them. But for some reason, it just is challenging. Maybe we think uh, like we have to have like the certain things to say. Right, like these are the four points, and if you don't get through those four points, like out of luck for you. Right? Or like if you don't have the sermon prepared, like you're gonna mess up. But what if there's a different way? What if there's a way that actually works in 2018? And what if we can learn from someone who's confident about sharing God, who doesn't worry about what others think about him? And hopefully your answer is yes, because that's what we're looking at today in Philippians. So open up your Bibles, and we're going to be reading here, and we're going to be looking at this guy named Paul, and we're going to be learning a little bit about his situation and what he's going through and what his main focus in life is. So if you have your Bibles, you can follow along with me, or otherwise it will be up on the screen. Philippians 1 verse 12 says this, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest of my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word of God without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The later do it out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice." 
Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. This is what Paul is all about. It says it like four or five times in there. He's all about advancing the gospel. He wants Christ proclaimed. He wants people to know who Jesus is, that Jesus loves them and cares about them. And that is the focus of Paul's life. He is all about making sure people get to know Jesus. Now, what's interesting about Paul is that's not how he always has been. Right? Paul started off actually persecuting Christians. Like going around, finding people who followed Christ, and throwing them into prison. He's actually at, he's like the coat boy for the, for the first martyr, the first killing of any Christian. And he's there, and it says in the Bible, it says that he approved of what happened. So Paul starts out his life very against Jesus. But then, what's crazy is that he has this, interaction, this encounter with God, and it radically changes his life, right? He, it radically changes his life so that he moves being a persecutor of Christians to now being a follower of Christ. And I think this is really powerful for us and something that we need to remember is that God wants a relationship with everyone, right? God wants a relationship with everyone no matter where they're at in life. In Acts, it says that Paul was persecuting Jesus, but God still says, you know what, Paul, I know you, I love you, and I want a relationship with you. And that's pretty amazing, because sometimes we think you have to be so good, or you have to be a certain kind of person, or so put together, and then God's going to love you. But no, we can see here, first and foremost, in our example of Paul's life, is that he is so far away from Christ, but he has this radical encounter that it changes everything about him. And, if, um, and from that moment on, he's super passionate. So what everything and anything he's doing, he's always about advancing the gospel, making sure that other people know who Jesus is. Now look in your Bible again, verse 12, right at the beginning. It says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Right? Now, the, the people of Philippians in Philippi probably wrote uh, Paul a letter. And they wrote him a letter, and they probably were like, hey, how's things going? We heard some news. We just wanted to check in and make sure you're okay. All right? It's kind of like if you've ever gone to college, or you know someone who's gone to college, or your kid's in college, and you're like, you text them. Like, mom texts them, right? Like, hey, how's everything going? Are you eating? Are you going to class? Are you alive? Like, what is going on? Are you doing anything? Right? And then the kid writes back, hey, nothing to worry, but... Right? Like, you're like, mom automatically stresses out. Right? Like, no, no, wait, what? What? And so we see in this that Paul is like, hey, things are going good. I'm advancing the gospel, even though what has happened to me. Well, what has happened to Paul? He's sitting in prison. Right? Like, he is now in a jail cell. Which is pretty interesting, because before he was a follower of Christ, he was going around finding Christians and putting them into prison, and now he himself is in prison for telling people about Jesus. God can radically change our lives. God does radically change our lives. And so what's awesome, though, 
is no matter what, Paul is always excited to tell people about Jesus. So normally he goes around to towns and cities to tell people about Jesus. But now that he's in prison, he's actually shackled to a guard at 24-7. All right? And so he's like, hey, things are good. Now there's someone standing next to me at all times. I just tell them about Jesus. Right? Like, this is awesome. I have two nieces. Uh, they were here for a minute, and they're like the most beautiful, the most amazing things. And I, like, I just get to hang out with them all the time. But like, I go over to their house, and I'll knock on the door, and they're like, instantly, there's two windows, and their faces just glue up against them. And there's just like, Uncle Aaron's here, right? And they just like, I open the door and they're just like, chase me, run after me, pick me up, spin me. I'm like, I'm 31. Like, I got a bad back now, girl. Like, and the thing is, there's two of them. They're twin four-year-old girls. So when one gets tired, there's another one there. It's like, come on. Like, I, I'm glad I'm not their parents, okay? And so that's all I'm saying. But it's kind of like, like, man, just give me a break a minute. It's like, like TV's awesome. Like, here's some internet. Like, go away. And it's like, I see the same thing with Paul and his guards. Right? They're like, hey, hey, Paul, like, uh, like can we calm it down on the whole Jesus thing? Like, I'm not so sure. But like, he's like, no, you're stuck to me. We are going to talk about this. And what's interesting, in verse 13, it says, it be, has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Every guard has heard about Jesus. And these are like the most baddest elite Roman guards there is. Like these are the guys who guard Caesar. Right? They, they are the top dogs. And now because Paul has been imprisoned and stuck with these guys, or they are stuck with him, and like he is now spreading it so that everyone in the whole, like the high authority of the empire is starting to hear about Jesus. It's starting to spread because Jesus, I mean, sorry, whoa, because Paul is stuck in prison and he's telling about Jesus. Paul sees every situation as an opportunity to share about God. Every situation as an opportunity to tell others about Jesus. To tell others about why he's so excited about God. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, okay, Paul seems a little crazy. He probably was. I'll talk to him about it in heaven someday. But like, he's like, okay, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can use every situation as an opportunity. I was trying to think of some spots. Maybe like you're going to fill your car with gas and they're like, hey, how much do you need? And you're like, oh, can I fill it? And like, you sure you want to fill? And you're like, yeah, I do. How would, how would you like to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Right? Like, I'm not like, yeah, zing. All right? Like, <laughs> now I don't think, I don't think that's what we need to see here with Paul. But this is the main part I want us to see about Paul is that he has passion for Jesus. Paul is so passionate for Jesus. When he encounters God in his life, it radically changed him. And he has this closeness and this intimacy with God, and now he wants every other person to experience that closeness and intimacy with God as well. Maybe you can remember back to when you first became a follower of Jesus. And those first few months are like, you're so on fire. 
right? You're excited. You're like, life is changing. Things are looking different. Like there's a whole new outlook on life. But then after a time, it kind of slows down. Right? Or maybe you've seen people in your own lives who for a while are super on fire and you're like, this is so awesome. They're, they're loving God and then something happens and all of a sudden it kind of slows down. And you kind of see that fire dwindle. That doesn't happen with Paul. Paul is jacked up for Jesus ever since the moment he encountered Christ. It's all he cares about. Do we have this kind of passion? Do we have that kind of passion so that other people can have an intimacy and closeness with God? Do we desire to grow and to to know more about who God is in our own lives? Is our greatest joy in life to know Jesus Christ? That Christ is living in us, and because of that, we have the opportunity to live for God on earth. Now, there's this guy, I'm stealing a quote, his name's Don Carson, and uh, he said this, so don't get mad at me when I read it, all right? It says this, as Christians, we are called upon to put the advance of the gospel at the very center of our aspirations. What are our aspirations? Is it to make money? Is it to get married? Is it to travel? To see your grandchildren grow up? To retire easily? Now, these aren't bad things, but what happens is, the question is whether these aspirations get in the way and they actually squeeze out what our true aspiration should be, which is to put God first and foremost in our lives. Because how can we go out and tell other people about God if we don't believe it ourselves? How do we go out and tell people, man, God is the best thing that's ever happened to me if we don't believe that? And so first, I think that's so big. If we don't understand it, if we don't realize what it means to be a follower of Christ, why are we or how are we going to tell other people about that? Now, maybe you're sitting here and you're like, I wish I had that kind of passion that Paul has. And I do too. Paul is crazy for God. And I look at my own life and I go, man, I wish I kind of had that passion. So here are two different spiritual disciplines. I love spiritual disciplines that I think could help us grow in our passion. The first one is to learn from Christ. To take some time every week to learn about Jesus Open up your Bibles, find Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. That's when Jesus is, uh, is walking around on earth. And just see, what did Jesus do? How did Jesus live? And then are we, as our lives, conforming into look like Jesus' life? Because I think if we do that, as we get to know Jesus more, it's going to help us be able to share Jesus to other people. And the second big thing is to listen for the Holy Spirit's voice. Take a time, again, create some space, try to get rid of distractions, and slow down and just abide in God's presence. Pray, communicate, listen to what God has for your life. I think if we're not stopping and learning from Christ and listening to what God has for us, it's going to be hard to tell others. And coming to church on Sunday is amazing and it's great and you should all do it for the rest of your lives. But I think there's also a big part of going home and learning about it on your own. 
And these spiritual disciplines, I am so passionate about these, and I teach them to our high schoolers and our middle schoolers every year because I think it's so important for us to actually invest in our relationship with God. And so if we're not right now, and you're like, man, I don't know about this whole Jesus thing, I'd say like, man, take a, take a couple weeks and just really invest in Jesus and see what it does for you. See how it changes your outlook on life. So Paul is in prison, and he's passionately living for Jesus, and it's spreading the word to everyone, to all these guards. But also, what's happening is crazy, is that it says, And most of my brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So his, Paul being in prison and his boldness to still speak about Jesus has now given other people, other followers of Christ, the courage to go and share their own faith to others. And so when we passionately live for Jesus, other people can see it in our lives and it's also going to encourage them. Now, I watch a lot of YouTube videos and because I just love YouTube videos, and it reminded me of this video, and we're going to watch this video, and now just hold on. You're going to see it, and you're going to be like, what is going on here, and it's awesome, okay? Just wait, and we'll get there, all right? So here we go. Hopefully the sound works because it works better with the sound. It's not me. No, thank you for asking. I could be the narrator. Okay, so here's the first guy. He comes and joins the lone leader. So he changes this, uh, this leader who was kind of crazy on his own. But now he's the first follower is what they call him. And now he's changed this leader from a nut into a leader. All right? <laughs> so these guys are dancing crazy and everything. But something happens here. And it's going to be really awesome. All of a sudden, they'll have a third guy join. And if you need some practice on your dancing skills, there you go. All right. So now we have a third guy. And what happens when the third guy comes is now it's starting to make other people realize it's okay to dance crazy. Right? It's okay to just do your own thing. Now we have five people here. And then shortly after that, we have three or four more. And then it starts to go crazy. What's awesome here is this happens and it, and it just keeps going. People are now feeling free to go ahead and follow because those first guys were courageous to go dance with the guy without the shirt on. <laughs> and it keeps going like this. I'll wait for one more scene and then we can stop. Right? So let's recap what we've learned. Oh, there we go. If you are a Okay, that's fine. It doesn't matter. Well, I want, I want to see one more thing before we go. What happens here is this one guy started everything really by dancing. Not you. Be public. Be easy to follow. But the biggest lesson here, did you catch it? Leadership is over-glorified. Yes, it started with the shirtless guy, and he'll get all the credit. But you saw what really happened. It was the first follower that transformed a lone nut into a leader. 
There's no movement without the first follower. See, we're told that we all need to be leaders, but that would be really ineffective. The best way to make a movement, if you really care, is to courageously follow and show others how to follow. When you find a lone nut doing something great, have the guts to be the first person to stand up and join in. Alright, so, yeah, it's a crazy movie, I get that. And I don't know why when I was reading through this passage, like literally that was the first thing that came to my head. I was like, we're going with it, Jesus, let's do this. Alright, like, you gave it to me, I'm like, it's out there. Okay, there's three major points hopefully we can get from this. A leader needs guts to stand alone and look ridiculous. That's the first guy, right, dancing. You can practice that later tonight, alright. The first guy, he's standing there, he's, he has the guts. He knows what he's all about, right? Like, I just want to have a good time at this. I just want to dance, and that's all that matters, right? And what's crazy is this is Jesus, right? Jesus has some great dance skills, okay? But Jesus is that lone nut who's willing to stand out there, who knows what his mission is, knows what he's all about, and he says, I don't care what other people think. I'm all about following God and loving others. That's what Jesus is all about when he's here on earth. And for us, we might go, oh, that's normal or that looks okay. But if we were back in that time, what Jesus was, what, what he was doing was radical and different and it actually put him on the cross. But there is also a small following. The first follower is underappreciated form of leader. He transforms the lone, the lone nut into a leader. Those first two guys that came in. These are the disciples. This is Paul saying, it's okay to follow Jesus. And they didn't care, again, what the crowd was saying or what the crowd was thinking. All those people on the hill were probably making fun of the guys. Like, look at that, that's so dumb. But inside they were kind of like, I wish I kind of could go and do that. And that's what happens here with Jesus and the, fo- and the first of followers, the disciples. It, it, is it okay for us to look strange in our culture today? Are we okay with saying, you know what, I want to follow Jesus so much that I'm going to look different than the world around me today? And the last thing that I really see from this is, it says, the best way to make a movement, if you really care, is to courageously follow and show others how to follow. When we go and actually start living for Jesus in our world today, other people are going to see us and go, oh, that's what it means. It's not just some religion or it's not just some rules or it's not just some gathering once a week, but this is life-changing because they can see it in our lives. So are we willing to be bold and courageous to look differently in our culture because we follow Jesus? And I think this is what's challenged me a bit while I've been preparing for this talk is like, how does Aaron's life look different from other single 31-year-olds? Right, do, if you were to put me next to another guy who was 31 and single, like, would you be able to look at our lives and see much difference? Or do we look pretty similar? Because if we look similar, 
then what's the point of being a follower of Christ? But if, if my life is looking different because I have a hope for Jesus, a hope in Jesus, then I think it's going to help other people be encouraged as well. Casey Neistat, he's a YouTuber. Like I said, I like to watch a lot of YouTube. He says, the most dangerous thing you can do in life is play it safe. How often do we like to just play it safe? How often do we go, I don't really want to go and live for Jesus. That's kind of scary. I don't want to go and tell my friends. That's, that's not what I want. Like, that's going to have to change my life. But I think, hope, or hopefully, there are examples in your lives who are going out and courageously living. For me, it was my parents, my youth pastor and his wife, and this guy named Shane. And it wasn't that they had like four points and sat me down and said, Aaron, this is why you should be a follower of Christ. They lived their lives around Jesus, and that's all that they were about, and I was able to see the changed life in them. Right, my, my dad, who would, I would wake up on Saturday mornings, I'd see him reading his Bible. Or when I got a little older, we started to discuss about what I was learning, about sermons that we had heard, about books that I was reading. Or learning from my mom, that she just loves and cares everyone. She's willing to serve, and, and she's like the most loving person out there. And I've learned that about my own life, how I can go and serve others. Or my youth pastors who showed me how to love and how to take big risks with the things that God has given me. And there's a guy named Shane, and he radically lives for Jesus, even through really hard situations. And it's because of those examples in my life, I saw that and I went, I want what they have. I desire that kind of relationship with God because I saw it in their lives. They didn't, preach it, they didn't preach at me, but it was in those small, everyday things that I saw them living for God. That they weren't just going to church on Sunday or it was just a thing to do, but it actually influenced their lives. Now, sometimes we think we need to become preachers or pastors or have every, all the right words before we can go and tell someone about Jesus. And that's not true, right? I know that there's something better. There's this guy named Michael Frost, and he says, we don't have to become traveling preachers like Paul, but we are called into que living questionable lives. And when I say this, other people should be asking questions about our lives because it's so different from the world around them. Not like, oh, that guy's living a questionable life over there, right? Like, he's doing that. But maybe it's more like, why is he living that way? Or why are they devoted to this? Why do they take their time to spend with these kinds of people? Michael Frost continues on. He says, we need to be propelled outward into the lives of our neighbors and also upward into an intimacy with Jesus. We need to become godly, intriguing, socially adventurous, joyous presence in the lives of others. Now, there's a part of us that go, okay, well, if all I have to do is live a questionable life, then I'll just kind of be over here. I'll kind of live my life and things will be good. People will see how awesome I am. Like, Aaron, you're so awesome. How can I become a follower of Jesus? It's 2018. People don't do that, right? 
Well, they haven't yet, okay, for me, at least, maybe you. You're cooler than me, all right? And so I think it's a both. Yes, we need to have a, live a questionable life where people are looking at us and seeing something's different, but also be prepared to share what God has done for us. First Peter says this, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason of the hope that you have. Hope here refers to the certain confidence that God will cause all things to work together for his glory and his good. So yes, we live differently than the world around us, but also we have to be ready to tell other people why we're living differently. I think another big thing is we need to have friends that aren't followers of Christ. Right, like if we're just living differently and we're living for Jesus, but we just have church friends, well then how are we gonna be able to go out and tell other people about Jesus if we don't have interactions with others? Now, this doesn't mean you go out and you're like, hey, I wanna be your friend, and then secretly like, I just wanna be their friend so that they can be followers of Christ, then I don't care about them, right? Like that's not healthy. But just what do you love to do? Go out and do that and find a group of people that, that you know, aren't followers of Jesus and, and do that. And be a presence in their life. And then hopefully they'll see your life is different. And those are the times that you will be able to tell them and share them a little bit about why you love Jesus. It's never going to be easy though. It's always going to be challenging to tell others about God. I, I think that's so true. Especially in our culture here in America. Like, it will always be a, a hard thing because the way of Christ is so countercultural to the rest of the world. But do we want to see Jesus and see his life and start to conform into how he is living? Or do we want to see what Jesus is doing and go like, ah, I don't really want that for my life. Like, I'll do my own thing. That's kind of my motto for 2018. Has kind of been like, if there's something you don't want to do, Aaron, you should probably do that, right? Like Aaron doesn't want to go run, he should probably run, right? Aaron doesn't want to eat his veggies, probably should. Aaron doesn't want to stop eating Reese's peanut butter cups, he probably should, but I haven't yet, okay, but he should, right? Maybe 2019, Aaron. But there's also the, I don't want to tell my friends about God because it's scary. I don't want to take the time to slow down and read my Bible and get to know God more. I don't want to change the way that I'm living. I like it right, how it is right now. So how do we actually go out and be different in this world today? I think we can go out by blessing other people, by being generous, through words of affirmation, through acts of kindness, through gifts, that if you start to bless others, you're going to become a generous person. Genesis 12, 2, I think it is, says, you have been blessed to be a blessing to others. So if you say, I am a follower of Christ, then you have been blessed, and now we are called to go and bless others. Another big thing is to eat with others. Have a meal with someone who isn't exactly like you, who doesn't believe in everything that you believe in. Right, Go out and, and learn about someone else and go and listen to someone. Because when we do that, we're going to have, we're going to develop being hospitable. Right, When we start to look at the world through other people's eyes. 
And the third one is to be missional focused. Look at the people around you in your life who are already in your influence and think about how you can bless them or be, show them hospitality. Because usually what happens in my life, I guess, is I go, I kind of have like my week and, I, and then I'm like into the day and you're like, oh, that would have been an opportunity to share them about Jesus or tell them about why I love God. But I, I'm never going to have that opportunity again. I missed it. But if we look forward into, man, what does God have for me? Or where are the opportunities possibly at? When we get in those situations, hopefully that will then allow us to speak about Jesus into their lives. It's in our daily living, in our day-to-day, at school, at work, and with your friends, that people are going to see who and what you live for. So who and what do we live for? Because when we start to live passionately for Jesus, it's going to look different than the people who are just doing their own thing. And if we actually courageously live for Jesus, I think people are going to start asking us questions. And so that's my call for us today. For our lives in word and deed to boldly proclaim the Lord in all that we do that we put at the center of us to advance the gospel because we know how amazing it is for us and so we want other people to have that relationship with God. Now today, you can see that we're going to have Lord's Supper. And what's interesting in 1 Corinthians, it says this, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. When we drink of the juice and eat of the bread, what we're saying is we're proclaiming that we believe in who Jesus is and what his life has done for us. That his life and death has saved us and rescued us. Right? And so we get to take this time, we're going to slow down, and we're going to remember what God has done for us. But also what happens when we take communion or the Lord's Supper is it also reconnects us with other followers of Christ. So when you're taking it and then someone across the room takes it, it's, it's us together saying we are in this family. That we are together in going out and advancing the gospel. Just think about that. Think about how are we passionately living for Jesus because of what he's done for us and how are we courageously living for God. Let's pray. Dearly Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your love and your care. That you love and care every one of us, no matter how far away we seem to feel from you. That you want a relationship with everyone in this room and everyone in this world. And Lord, it's so amazing that you want us to be a part of that mission to advance the gospel. So Lord, I pray that we passionately and courageously live for you every day. That it's not just something we talk about in this room, but that we actually go out into this world and do because of your love for us. Your holy, precious name, amen.